What's up everybody, I'm Alex at generalguybill.com. Welcome to the 20th episode of the Heart Dance Producer Network podcast. Your number one producer podcast all about heart dance music and to my knowledge the only one, that's why the number one. All jokes aside, let's get serious. My guest today is Deceptor. He's a German hardcore producer and the founder of Dequinox. As a DJ, he played already at Dominator and some other cool events and has a lot of interesting things to tell. So I'm not gonna talk too much. Let's get right into it. Welcome, Deceptor. You're listening to the Hard Dance Producer Network, the number one producer podcast for the harder styles. Hosted by General Geibel. So, how did you get into hardcore production and the music business overall? Give us a brief history. Yes, okay. So, I started listening to hardcore music in uh, 1998 uh, when I found my first Thunderdome CD in the stores. Um, then I really got into that music and I wanted to visit parties. But of course, I was just 11 years old, so yeah, no party entry for me. But then I visited my first rave, tell nobody. And um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun dancing, listening to the music on the loud stereo. And um, then I got, um, yeah, for the first time connected to like a DJ to watch uh, what DJs do, how do they play the music? And I was like, damn, I really want to do that. So then I um, started to buy my first equipment, my turntables and my mixer and my stereo for at home, terrorizing my family, my <laughs> parents and my neighbors, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I guess then later on, I um, had my first DJ gig in 2006 and started um, the Deceptor project as a DJ. And um, after a few years, I just um, recognized that maybe DJing is not enough to grow further or to become a bigger artist because I have, um, or I had really big ambitions. So I wanted to become better and uh, improve myself and to um, get higher on the career. Um, so then I was just like, okay, I am a big music fan. I like music. I can imagine maybe um, also to produce it. And um, at this time period, now we're talking about like the year 2009, 2010. Um, I was in an organization called Underground House Movement from Holland or um, UHM. And um, we had a small team um, with... New Styler, Triax, Extreme, uh, Mr. Sinister. And all those guys um, became good friends of mine because of the organization we stayed in and because of um, the parties we know from. And um, Triax was at this time the really best producer. He was um, working on his first own album. And I was really impressed by that. And then I was like, okay, man, um, would you like to teach me producing because I also want to learn it? And he was like, yes, okay, come home to me and I show you how to do it. And uh, then I got invited to his studio, of course, which was um, in his parents' house also. Yeah. <laughs> he was also really young. Yeah. 
and um, then I I, uh, I go to to Holland and um, stayed at the parents' house by Triax and went to his room and then he showed me the first steps in producing. Um, at this time, he was producing with Propeller Hats Reason, and he was like, "Yeah, this is a software. This is a big shit. Here you have some synths and samples and arrangement." And I was just like, "What the fuck, man? What is that?" so much to learn but i was so impressed and also so motivated to get all it yeah and then i started also to buy my um, first stuff i also bought the propeller heads reason software and started producing and jamming around and then step by step i learned everything which version was it when you bought it remember very good question i have to look which version i have on my pc Probably now two, two or three or something because um, that was probably from what I understood it was something around 2007, 8 or something like that I guess it was reason 5 or 4 yeah um, let me check if I can yeah, find yeah right, 2007 definitely 4 came out, I remember that yes, yes yeah. I guess 4 or 5 it was, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yes and then I started jamming around with reason and um I had a good time with Triax helping me to involve my skills, to involve my, my sound. And um, yeah, this was like the basic skill package I got um, to improve my, my own sound. So nice. And um, what are you working on with now today? I guess you're not on Reason anymore. No. Um, it was really funny because um, I always stayed in close contact to Triax and to Mr. Sinister and to New Styler, who were also starting producing at that time. So we were like a group of four people, really um, close connected and uh, helping each other. And um, I guess I was the last one of this kind of producer group that switched to Cubase. Because I felt like, no, it took me so much time to learn producing in Reason. I don't want to really switch the door. And yeah. uh, Triax and Mr. Sinister, for example, were saying, hey, man, no, Cubase is so much better, <laughs> much better uh, audio yeah. quality. You can use um, audio tracks because audio tracks weren't available in Reason these yeah. days. Of course, of course, it was really stupid. But I was like, oh, no, I want to focus on Reason. Yeah. I, want to, I want to be to get better in that. And I really believe in this software. Yeah. And then like, I don't know, three years ago or four years ago, I think in 2014, I bought my first Steinberg Cubase. And until now, I'm really happy that I make uh, that I made this step. And until now, I'm producing Cubase. So you went on to 2014 on Reason. Yes, I think my last wow. production I did in Reason was... Um, yeah, well, oh, no, I know that my first production, I did 100% in Cubase because there was also a time where I used Reason in Cubase as rewire. Yes, yes, yes. I guess my really first 100% Cubase production was January 2016. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's a... Uh... Quite a long time. I mean, nowadays Reason really caught up. I don't know if you yes. have looked into the new one. Uh, if it was like that, you know, when I did the switch, I guess I did the switch in 2007, 6, 7 from Reason and to Logic. Okay. And I guess if it was like it is today, I would have never switched. You know, <laughs> I would stay yeah. on Reason. Yeah. 
Um, so you also started uh, your own label, which is Dequinox. Um, exactly. What was the reason why you decided not to be a label bitch and go from one label to another, but start your own thing? Like So first of process? all, I wanted to be a label bitch. Um, <laughs> but a label still wants you. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> But unfortunately, uh, yeah, my productions, I don't know, maybe weren't good enough at that time or I still believed in me and my production and, and yeah. I was like, hey man, I guess now the sound is ready to be promoted or to get some help by a label to release yeah. something because when I look to the right and to the left, I see other producing uh, other producing guys or other producers uh, making much worse sound and have releases. And I was like sending demos to the big labels, but also um, concerning to the uh, to the sub labels. They may have like adrenaline tracks by Neophyte Records back in the days, or Afterlife existed also back in the days by mm -hmm. Masters of Hardcore. So like uprising labels or sub labels from the big ones. Yeah. Um, but I never got any response or just, or they were just like, okay, sorry, nice demo, nice idea, but the tracks are not good enough, unfortunately. And then I was like, okay, why is there not a good label in Germany? The one and only label in Germany existed at this time was like important records. And I also released on important records and I was kind of happy with that, but in general, important records was a vinyl record store from Germany and not, um, yeah the new shit or new label yeah. with a clear vision for the future of hardcore in germany right. and then i was like yeah okay um i think i'm kind of smart boy so why can i do that stuff on my own the funny thing is um in the year um 2014 2015 some of my friends um also arranged their own label um they were called tritone it was um a group of three guys from koblenz in germany also good friends of mine um yeah the solo names were gigi giant and fallout and uh, these three guys uh built up tritone and they also built up their own tritone label um, so because I had good contact with them also, I was like, okay, how does your label work, um, mm -hmm. works? How do you, um, get to, to be released on Spotify, iTunes, Apple yeah. music, whatever. And they, they showed me then the first steps, like how to do the thing behind the label, like yeah. the organization, the distribution. And, um, then I was like, okay, man, I guess I can create my own brand. I can create my own platform, also maybe focusing on um, on uh, German hardcore to have a vision on the German hardcore scene because there was like, yeah, nothing comparable to what's happened in, in Holland or in right. Italy. And then these were the first thoughts when I was like, okay, now I have to start my own shit. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Um, when you've been struggling to uh, become a label bitch, <laughs> I mean, you know, you had a friend like Triax who's 
probably like nowadays one of the most accomplished producers behind the scenes i mean yes uh, people don't know i don't know how much i can tell what he's doing but he's definitely one of the most accomplished producers so what did yes. he tell you like you for sure you sent him your tracks what did he say like he say like dude that sucks or like <laughs> yeah um tracks was always um that kind of person um, which were really into his own projects um, and had also a lot of stuff to do. I guess at this time he he was maybe still at Enzyme Records as Triax, but then he quit that and did the new project and uh, yeah, growth just into uh, into the bigger parts or the higher parts of the scene. And of course, I, I also um, sent him demos or my new tracks. He gave me feedback. Um, what should I can do better? Um, but he never wanted to connect me to anyone because uh, because he said like, "Hey, Dustin, uh, your tracks are good. Um, of course, they are not kind of perfect or they are not Champions League. Yeah. But if you believe in your sound, then um, something will be arranged for you. Um, if that doesn't happen, then you are still not improved enough." Yeah. But, um, but you would know the guy that wanted like to directly. say like to someone else, hey, this is my friend Deceptor, come on, get him in or listen to that demo. He always is like, hey, come on, do it on your own. No, no, that's not what I mean. But, um, you know, he probably could have, you know, gave you some good advice or like could tell you really honestly, okay, you're, it's it's not as good as it should be. Or Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did. did that. He did, okay, yeah. Yes. Because, you know, sometimes... Um, there are two things happen sometimes. Sometimes uh, you got something really good at your hands and you send it to the wrong people and they yeah. say, it's not good, we don't want it, it's terrible. And you get like really discouraged, even though, you know, when you would send it out to more people, they would absolutely love it. And yeah. sometimes it's the exact opposite. You got some pile of shit on your hands, but you think it's fucking amazing. And you send it to everybody and they tell you, yeah, it's a pile of shit, you know? Yes, so, exactly. <laughs> uh, but there it's always good, you know, if you got like somebody who knows a thing or two and um, he's kind of a friend who would actually say, man, that's not good. Or man, that's awesome, you know? Exactly. So, but I think in general, um, I am a really critic person on my own. Yeah. And I guess I have always um, like the right view to say, um, okay, my tracks are good, are okay, are bad, or are a piece of shit. I guess also at the um, the earlier times, yeah, the tracks were quite okay. Mm -hmm. Um should be releasable but of course not like my track sound nowadays yeah and i'm still not happy with it <laughs> oh that's a never-ending process the exactly day, yeah. the day you you will be happy is the day where you stop improving yes so pray for it that you will never be happy <laughs> yes i think i'll never be happy because i'm yeah fucking critic every time when i got a new release just yeah. published like yesterday i listened to the track and i was like ah man okay maybe i could also have not changed this and that and i hear some problems yeah. here so but then next time on my new track uh, i want to improve that yeah, and this is yeah. how producers grow yeah yeah just uh, be critic on your own and uh, this is how your sound improves does it does it happen to you because it happened to me quite often i do something i make a track and I'm pretty pumped about it. I'm pretty excited. I listened it for a couple of months and still love it. You know, I maybe played it out and it's all awesome. 
uh, then it gets released and i'm still kind of pumped about it and one year later i listen to it back and i say like yeah no wonder like it made only like so and so many plays so no wonder like it didn't do shit it didn't do what i was expecting one year later i hear that it wasn't just as good but i was like pretty pumped for one year or something like that did something happen to you you can be a lucky guy because you just uh, have this kind of feeling one year later or half a year later on when I think, oh man, okay, um, now I learned so many new stuff um, on my own. Also, I think collaborating with other um, people is really what makes you get better. So yeah. for example, if I start a collaboration uh, with someone else and learn some new trip tricks, then I look back to my last release, which was like maybe yeah. one month or two months ago. I was like, man, if I would have known all these new tricks, this track would improve much, much more. Maybe uh, would grab much more attention also to the big guys. Yeah, yeah. Of course, this happens also to me Yeah, really early. Yeah, no, but, uh, you know, um, of course, like when we talk about the production quality, of course, that's like, you know, you, you, you finish a track, the next track, you look back to the previous and you say, that, that's shitty, you know, it could be like 10 times better because you improved with every track. But, yeah. um just also from the creative thing you know you made like a melody which you've been pretty pumped you got like this atmosphere this feeling like the drive in the track yeah and you're pretty pumped about it and after a while you realize it's not that good i don't feel it anymore you know you've been feeling it for a while and then you just don't feel it anymore regardless like the production quality just like you know yes the, the vibe yeah, that you okay. get from the track um, so if I think about my tracks and my productions, I think um, why my tracks are kind of successful, also the last um, releases, um, I think it's because when I think of my weakness and my strength, I think that um, I'm really good at um, having ideas, um, having atmosphere and having um, a track that tells a story. Yeah, this is really. Um, I think I'm really good at it. I think I, um, if I could combine this more um, with my weakness, which I think in my tracks is like, yeah, the sound design is not on point enough. Um, I guess, yeah, they were really like these were like the last percent I need to get yeah. uh, in the Champions League quality. Yeah. But uh, as you say, concerning atmosphere or drive, I'm still pretty happy with. Um, uh, older tracks or previous tracks I made. Yeah. Um, you got a very specific style. Um, it feels like with your style, to be honest, I missed on, on out on the last, last release. I haven't heard the last release, but uh, from the previous releases, um, you stick to the style which we all love, but which could be considered two years too late because everything moved now to... No melody, up-tempo kicks, like if, um, you know, all 190 BPM, up-tempo kicks. If uh, the up-tempo kick is shitty, it's up-tempo. If it's a good kick, it's hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I know what you mean. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, you, you still stick more on like, you know, 175, 180. You got like melodies and stuff going on. Even like your kicks are more like, you know, the kicks which, you know, you've been hearing in hardcore maybe in 2015 or something. So this is yeah. a good style. I really love it. But how much um, 
do you think about like, yeah, it's not the shit which is going on. I should adapt. Or do you dismiss it at all and say like, I do what I want to do. Fuck them. Um, good question. Um, sometimes I, when I start a new project, my first uh, thing is, or my first thought is like, okay, now make it like more 2020 sounding, like okay. more what you say, more on point, more rough, a bit faster. But then when I start working on a track, I don't feel like, hey, this is my sound or my yeah. my my style. Um, so I always end up with creating a melodies and I'm hyped in, in a melody, in a vibe and uh, creating a break with pads and some classic instruments, for example. It's really hard for me to um, to get away from this stuff. Also, when I collaborate with other artists, I say, hey, come on, let's make a track which is more like punching in your face, more just for the dance floor. Mm. And when we start working and it comes to my part where I get my stuff in it, Most of the time, it always ends up with some melodic stuff, and it was not. Um, it's not like the first idea when we came about. Um, okay, how should the track sound? Yeah, that's um, that's. I, I think that's a normal thing because um, that's kind of your identity. You know, that's kind of the shit yeah. you like, and uh, you always kind of end up there. You know. Um, there are a couple of guys who can really adapt. They change their sound every fucking year. Yes. But I always got the feeling they also never got a sound or never developed an identity. You know, they just take, yeah, like, true. they go on hard tunes, what is number one, okay, load it up, copy it through and put it out. Yeah. And I guess like once you really develop an identity, a sound, like, you know, there's like, you know, every every like serious producer, he got like a certain sound of kicks he likes. He used certain snare sounds. He used certain synth sounds, you know. So uh, that's Indeed. where like your own taste comes into play. And that's um, where it's getting hard when within two years, like hardcore is a completely different genre, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true words. I think um, maybe I'm always hoping a bit that um, this style of sound comes back to the scene. Because what I just see right now that many younger people um, are um, coming back to like an old school sound, yeah. like to the old school kicks and also to some millennium sounds. Yeah. Um, and I see also some uh, producers adapting that, putting old school or millennium elements back again in their tracks, not just um, like building up a full track with that, but um, using it as, for example, a kick switch or a, yeah. a small part in a track. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, but to come back on your on your first question, it's really hard for me to adapt the 2020 sound because um, I like hardcore um, these days. I like it really much. Um, it's really professional and really driving. It's party music. But sometimes sometimes um, the track identity um, changes too fast. I'm just like, oh man, this kick is nice. And now all oh, the kick is gone. Another kick came in. Okay, this is also nice. And then switch again, switch again, switch yeah. again. And I was like, man, okay, I like that. But I just... Uh, where's the red line? Sometimes I miss yeah, yeah. The, the whole track concept. Yes. Uh, just uh, and not just changing parts like every 20 seconds. Yeah. Yeah, that was um, 
pretty terrible. Like you know, four years ago, uh, it started all in raw style and then kind of transitioned to hardcore, where all of a sudden you never had like two fucking bars of kick. <laughs> yes, it's like it's like six kicks and then some bullshit, you know. Yes, and it's like who wants to dance to that? And that's what happened. Like you go on a fucking raw style party and everybody's just doing that. Nobody's fucking dancing because there is no straight kick. You know, and that also transitioned at some point to hardcore and then like all the kick switches and everything. So that really changed a lot. Yeah. And, um, like, you know, the, 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 the problem which you have, I had it too. Like when raw style changed so extreme, I was like, I'm not feeling it. I don't like it. I'm not feeling it. And yeah. Me I too. Really, yeah. And, and I yeah. have the feeling like when I, when I listen to, to, to raw style, like more than one hour or on a party, like more on one set, it gets a little boring to me because I'm like, okay, now it's really just always the same. I miss Sounds like um, one track. Yeah. It one could track be just one producer hour. just yeah. changing every time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, as you said, um, changing um, the, the kicks and everything, like every 20 bars or 16 bars. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I guess, difficult. Um, I, I guess, I guess right now it's like the best time uh, to bring back uh, tracks with a meaning and to bring back tracks maybe with melodies and stuff. Because I would imagine, like you know, of course there are some crazy people, but I would imagine like the regular listener don't want to hear like all those dance floor bangers with, with only kicks and like more distortion, more distortion when he's driving at seven in the morning to his work or something, or to the <laughs> office, you know? Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, like the regular hardcore fan, when he's in the car, uh, he wants maybe to listen to more like hardcore, which kind of is not only all about kicks. So I hope so. And probably <laughs> since there are no parties right now, now is a probably good time. And, you know, since also there's, less people releasing because like all the ghosted acts don't release at the moment and um a lot yeah. of other people don't release so i guess now it would be a really good time to for producers to bring back that sound again yeah true yeah until the party start again <laughs> 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 then we need again 64 kicks and one track <laughs> and some fucking <laughs> vocals this is also funny because I, I think a kick design is really um, difficult. It's also really difficult to me to make like, um, I guess when I started producing, I was like, okay, I hope that I can create one hardcore kick I am happy with for yeah. my track. Yeah. And now I have to think like, okay, now I have to produce like, feels like minimum four different hardcore kicks yeah. I have to be happy with for just one track. And I hear like um, other productions having like, now 16 or 20 different kicks in one track always yeah. changing i'm like okay there's so much input and there's it's so difficult for me to tweak like on one kick and they just released a track with 20 kicks in it god yeah, damn but, it but how many tracks do you know where which got all 20 awesome kicks most of exactly. them have like the main or they have two really good kicks that's the and, point. And the rest is kind of a little bit half-assed, you know? Yes, exactly. And this is the point, but they also need it. You always need a, some some softer or smoother kick if you want to do a kick switch to the wow effect. Yeah. Everyone yeah. wants to create the wow effect. Um, yeah. Nowadays, when they see like the Zephyr videos, um, when the kick comes in, everybody is shouting, uh, like having the great crowd reaction. Yeah. I think uh, most people want to adapt exactly this kind of um, 
reaction in their production. So that's why you need in the beginning or before a drop a softer kick or like um, uh, in, an effect that appears suddenly um, nobody has counted with. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. But it's so, also overdone, you know. That was, um, we, we had it here on the podcast with vandalism, you know. At some point, like this uh, fake drop started. Yes. And it was really cool. You know, there's the build up and you're waiting and the kick is supposed to come and it extends. All of a sudden you got a screech and then the kick comes in. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. But at some point it was on every goddamn track. So when you then play the track where the kick started, where it's supposed to start without a fake drop, people haven't been dancing because they've been expecting a fake drop. That became like the normal drop, the fake drop. Yes. Also. <laughs> You know, yeah. this, this is this is kind of the problem because you can use stuff like that or like the uh, short period of time people started with some kind of weird kick for like one bar and then they drop the actual kick. Also great effect. But again, if it's on every track, it's losing the effect. Yes, I have a funny story about that because a um, few months ago I released a demo for Dequinox um, and the producer said, hey, here's my demo. You want to check the track? And when I listened to the track, the track was quite good concerning sound design. Yeah. <laughs> But the track was just about fake drops and faking a fake drops and faking, faking a fake, <laughs> fake fuck drop. And there was just no, no line anymore. And I was like sitting in the studio and was like, okay, but where's the part why I can now dance to the music? I really just feel like dropping on and on and dropping. Yeah. And I was like, man, okay, it's kind of funny to listen to. But this is really now not releasable. It's too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just just recently also heard a, a track like that, also a demo. And it was also like, you know, the regular intro, the mix in part, like 16 bars, then like a long boo, and then like a long breakdown, then like a 16 bar build up, then like the vocal, which is like, ah, and then you expect the kick coming in, and then there's another build up. So again, 16 bars after that, and then. A fake drop and then the kick. <laughs> It took like four minutes until the kick came in. I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I understand the thought behind it, but play it. Play it on the festival. See how many people are going to stay, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And this is the moment for the most people to say, okay, man, so let's go to the bar and buy a beer. Yeah. I guess nothing more will happen here on the dance floor yeah. right now listening yeah. to this track yeah, yeah and at the end like you know the actual kick part is only like you know 20 seconds yes so really short and, yeah yeah it's like two minutes of build-ups 20 seconds of kick and then again like yeah I, uh, when i was doing mastering i received um quite many of tracks like that you know it's a four minute track and i counted like on the overall track there are like 45 seconds of kick and it's like You know, and like the producer is giving me shit. It's like, yeah, like the hi-hat is a little bit. Dude, the hi-hat is not your concern. Really, not. Half dB that's more, half dB less. That's not the problem, really. <laughs> the problem is 45 seconds of kick in a hardcore track. <laughs> a four-minute hardcore track. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, this is um, sometimes very funny. Anyway, let's talk about production. So you're working on Cubase nowadays. Uh, what what is kind of your go-to stuff in terms of synthesizers? What do you like to use? Um, I guess nowadays the really totally fucking hype synthesizer is of course Zerum. 
Um, I um, I used to to learn my first uh, producing my my own sound in Spire or in Zeta. Yeah. Is it called Zeta Z three T A? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah. I call it Zeta. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I liked Spire very much. Um, also, Silent One. I did a lot of um, stuff in it. But now I try also to get more and more into Serum. Also, um, when many um, of the bigger producers release like sample packs just with um, Serum presets, yeah. um, I get more and more into it and use it uh, more in my tracks. Do you use Massive? I use it sometimes, but I never got so deep into that synthesizer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now nowadays there's kind of no reason to get deep into that because yeah. Serum is like an improved version of Massive. Yeah, exactly. Um but before you you know, if you are not, you know, knee deep into Serum, I just recently discovered another synth. It's uh, Icarus from Tone 2. That's um, okay. That's like serum, but like on steroids. <laughs> like it's even <laughs> more on steroids. <laughs> so, but, you know, if you want, if you want to, to you know, have like uh, going into uh, one synth which can do everything, like you know, which for most people that's serum, but this one is like next level. So you might. Yes, it's so that. kind of aggressive sounding. Or yeah, you can do everything with that. You got like oh, I don't know, like hundred different filters there internally. You can even set up drums in there. <laughs> like it has a drum sample. It's it's, it's like amazing. Okay, Hypersaw, sounds like I have to check it out. Yeah, hypersaw, supersaw. Like you know, you got also the regular wavetable stuff like in serum, but you got three oscillators. So it's a uh, very advanced that thing. I, yeah, just recently discovered it, and I was like, "Dude, that's so good!" Nice. <laughs> so I'm definitely uh, putting in my time to learn that one. Um, what do you use uh, for reverbs? Um, for reverb, I'm um, I have the Lexicon. I'm a big fan of the Lexicon stuff. Um, and for delays for example or room delays i use um also lexicon or the um steinberg delays mm -hmm. the internal reverse. one yeah they're good yeah they're really good uh what's uh, kind of what what's kind of your approach when you make kick drums are you like the classical guy with drama zone and eq distortion eq distortion or you got like some weird shit like serum and stuff like that Yeah, it's kind of different. I always um, try to find um, to uh, find new ways to make my kick. So um, I guess my first kicks were done in um, Microtonic. Uh, did some Microtonic bass and then um, distorted up and screaming it up. Then I also sometimes use Ramazone samples, for example, or the good old 909. But also now um, in my last projects, I try to do kicks um, with serum also, or often um, just use serum or samples to do um, parts for uh, creating a hybrid kick of older kicks I made. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really a fan of um, recycling my own old stuff and to improve it. So that's like the signature sound is still there, but right. with a more modern and new touch. Yeah, makes and this sense. Just, then just like um, layering and sampling tail parts, sub bases, um, and different um, attacks, and creating a new kick out of maybe older projects, older kicks, or um, then using serum like an effect or to um, 
get more effect on the tail and on the drive part yeah. and then just jamming around and um yeah try and error what sounds good and um what does not do you do you use uh, reason as a plugin nowadays no not no. anymore i just have using uh, have reason right now installed to open my old products uh, productions like for example when i want to use some sound or when i uh, go out a remix pack yeah but i don't use reason anymore but there's you know, no reason anymore to use reason but 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 you know it's available as a plugin now right you can have, yeah, yeah yeah i, I also um, have the propeller hats news um on facebook and, and then i see what uh, what happens to the new reason yeah but uh, all in all i guess um for me it's uh not the time worth Really? To, to go in that I would I would deeper. assume like after like seven years of using reason because I, I I'm definitely very nostalgic about it when I see it's around and you can have it as a plug-in I bought yeah. it right away but I got only the light version so I don't have like all their instruments but I got the screen distortion you know this okay one, this this one <laughs> I <laughs> like loved my, it yeah yeah, yeah yeah like my last um hardcore kickpack I like i would say like 70 percent i've done i've used the screen distortion for that it was really the last kickback you made yeah yeah the hardcore kickback nice okay so but you know i got like my approach i kind of you know i make a lot of kicks a lot i yeah. i uh, resample them and then i kind of throw them together and make like the good kick so you know usually uh those kicks i make with this distortion um they are not they're maybe like 60 percent, 70 percent. so but then i create okay. i create like really a lot so i made like something like 300 and those 300 i kind of used then to layer up and like i think in the pack there are 70 now or something so but um the uh, uh, scream and the subtractor the analog synthesizer yes. that for like the source quite often okay yeah the problem is it doesn't have like the oscillator restart so every kick sounds different so you know but maybe i have to it. think of going back to reason again uh, yeah, when I, yeah. When I hear I mean, these stories it was it was like a lot of fun you know you do it all in that one plugin in that rack and then yeah so that was a lot of fun that kind of triggered actually to make that pick uh, kick pack because okay, I, cool. I reopened it and I was like really distorting everything. I was like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. And then, like I said, 300 mediocre kicks. <laughs> 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 and then I brought them together to 70 actual, which I thought were good. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> so reason is uh, still, it's great. <laughs> yeah, good to hear. Um, let's uh, talk a little bit about the label work because I remember like you know i've been following like from day one and yes. um playing on the first equinox tour party exactly yes <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been there <laughs> yeah and um so you started it right away like very professionally you know you set up like right away the uh the website you had merch and you started already like i think in the first year already you made like the club party like the little club tour for germany and stuff um what was like i mean i understand of course like you wanted to make a label and you wanted like to push the hardcore scene in germany but you went really out of your way like there was them there has to be a lot of more motivation than just hey let's make a hardcore label like what was the driving force to like do so much 
<laughs> yeah, so um, the driving force is um, the love and the passion for hardcore music. It is that simple. I was always a bit disappointed about the German scene concerning music and what happens there and what happens to artists, to producers, um, or even to the um, environment of labels. Um, so I was like, okay, if I knew, I really want to get um, as much attention as I can get in the country for party people, not just for producers, but also if I can reach that, I want to get attention um, international-wide. Yeah. So this is why I was like, okay, when I start this project, I really give pure, more 100% energy in it that I have um, to grow it as fast as it can. And um, yeah, to get a lot of intention also to all those people um, that refused my demos back in the days to see, okay, now this fucking guy, I remember his shitty demo was in my inbox, but I never respond to him. Yeah. Now he's starting like a new label. Okay, uh, his work is quite good. Let's check him out. Or let's follow him. Yeah, and it was really funny because like the label was just like one or one and a half years old. And when I came to um, to parties, visit, visiting Masters of Hardcore, or I don't know, many great artists came to me and were saying like, man, your Dequinox label, it really looks so professional. It's really great what you're doing also to the scene, to the scene in Germany. Yeah. And these compliments um, were also so, um, so big to me and that means a lot to me. I was so happy about that. And just, this just um, motivated me much more to focus more on it, to give more power on it, to improve it much more, to have better, better distribution ways, to put more into the marketing. Yeah. And this is how it's um, growth in the last four years. How many releases do you got already? Um, next week, we're going to release the 49th release. 49. And uh, um, so in one month, the 50 release will be nice. published nice 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 congratulations thank you very much uh you got like a little team of um like you know the uh, permanent members of dequinox and you're also releasing every once in a while from people who are not actually dequinox artists like outside artists that's right yeah. and um what are the criteria what are you looking for like when people sending you demos so um yeah, the criteria for people um, when they send me demos is just like I have to like it concerning um, not my personal taste, but I have to like it and does the sound fit to the label? Yeah. And, of, uh, and of course, I have kind of... Uh, yeah, I, want, I want for my label to be released. Um, so it doesn't matter where the person comes from. I get releases yeah. from Russia, from Cuba, from the United States, from Canada, from Holland, from Germany. Um, I really don't care who the people are. I just check um, their music. And um, yeah, if you have um, an idea of a track or there's something new and the quality um, is good enough, also concerning sound design and mix down, Mastering is not that important because I can do that or yeah. other guys, of course. Um, then I think um, everyone has a chance to release on Dequinox. Yeah. And uh, how do people reach out to you if they want to send in a demo? 
just send your demo to music at dequinox.de or some can send demos about Instagram or Facebook. I know many labels just say, okay, we're just accepting SoundCloud links via email. And not that hard to, um, yes, to, um, we want to send me demos. I don't care if it's like a Dropbox link or SoundCloud or WeTransfer. Yeah. Or however, just contact me, and um, yeah, but the best way is to send it via email as a link. Okay. Yeah. Um, what is uh, what is in for like? Um, what are the plans for Deceptor in the future? Or what's going on at the moment, basically? Because right now, not much is going on. What you're working on? Yes, um, at the moment, in the background, really, really much and big stuff is going on. Um, so like in the past three years, I always wanted to be sure that there's um, one release coming each month on Dequinox. Mm -hmm. So um, I made my, my marketing and distribution plans just like to check out that there's frequently every month new music. Doesn't matter if it's a single release or an EP. Now, um, since last month, I doubled the frequency so now Equinox releases every two weeks. Yeah. I have a bunch of really great music in here that will come out the coming, uh, the coming few, um, few weeks or few months. Um, I guess um, I have releases safe until mid of January. And um, there's one, one really, really big project coming up, which will be... Um, Presented for the first time, end of the year, as a big boom of a shitty year. Um, there will be a, a big announcement, um, yeah, big milestone for the label, but I'm unfortunately not allowed to talk more about that um, at that time. Okay, okay, looking forward. <laughs> so maybe maybe when it's about time, you should come back on the podcast and then you should talk about it then. Yes, if you invite yeah. me, I would love to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, you sold me on that. I really want to know now, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So this is like um, the plans on the label, and um, yeah, the Deceptor plans. Um, for example, tomorrow I go back to my good old friend Nick Novity, hardstyle producer from uh, Musical Madness, releasing on Scantrax also. Mm -hmm. um, last year we um, created the collab Going Down, which was really successful. And um, we were like, man, okay, we have to continue this collaboration. Let's start another project. And tomorrow I go and visit him, uh, visit him in the studio and we're going to make another track over the weekend. Nice. So gonna these be, are like... Well, it's going to be a hardcore track or you're going to do hardstyle? We we will see, okay, of course. Okay. I guess it will be more hardcore, of course. Yes, yes. Um, I don't know which BPM right now. Um, we'll see tomorrow when we start. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, what if and for the future, I have also um, some collabs ready to be released, um, for example, with uh, Refus, yeah, my my newest um, Equinox member. Um, and then I'm thinking about maybe um, starting to produce an own album. But these are just thoughts i haven't started yet or it's not that um it's not safe that i want to do it by 
But um, this is just a big life goal I have for my career to release an own album. And now I think I, I feel like ready to, um, so I feel like ready as a producer yeah. to uh, maybe start a huge project. You're also planning on do like, you know, of course, like this is just an idea. But when you think about an album, you're also planning on do some physical uh, stuff like CD or vinyl or stuff. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yeah. I always um, thought about a Dequinox compilation, like a physical CD with um, Dequinox tracks from many different artists. Yeah. Um, got that um, amount of tracks um, um, in the basket of Dequinox um, so that we can bring out a compilation like with 10 or 15 tracks. Yeah. Maybe this is also planned in the future, but yeah, quite. It's just open. Yeah. Uh, you also build up a couple of big as fuck playlists on Spotify. Because <laughs> one of them, you added my uh, last release, uh, that remix. And I love okay. your remix, man. I'm oh, playing it every, on every birthday and <laughs> illegal party I get now. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, but I was like one day, you know, like since I'm not like really active anymore, I made it in the live stream and I was like, okay, it was there and, you know, yeah, I can as well release it. Um, but then like one day I'm looking like, okay, did it, you know, pass the thousand plays and I look, it has like 10,000 or something. And then I started digging deeper and I see, okay, it's on that hardcore playlist. And then I figured out it's your playlist. Yeah. How the fuck do you build up a huge playlist like that? Um, to be honest, I don't have a fucking clue. So, um, when I, when I came in touch to the Spotify playlists, um, and I, I was just, um, checking on, on my tracks are, mm -hmm. and, um, there are some playlists which were really successful just from normal people. And I was yeah. just like, okay, um, if they can do a successful playlist, why I can't do that. And then I was like, um, so when I, um, for example, go on Spotify and I really often um, uh, look up on Spotify chilled music, like chilled house, deep house, just yeah. hardcore is my business. Every time I listen to fast BPM, hardcore stuff, and sometimes I just want to, to listen to relaxed music just to yes. calm down. Yeah. And then... Um, I was just um, analyzing myself, okay, so now if I listen or if I want to listen to music from another genre I'm really not into, what am I typing in Spotify and what um, is the reason why I check this playlist and not like the other 10 that are underneath it. And um, so one thing um, I figured out here um actual music and this was like if i found if i was looking like um for a deep house playlist i always picked the deep house 2019 playlist so okay. one year one year ago and um then i was like okay so when i so when other users come to um come to spotify want to listen to hardcore maybe they also want to listen to um to actual hardcore music or they always want to have a fresh updated playlist yeah um, they're typing in hardcore and if they see, okay, there's like hardcore from 2020. So like how the playlist is named now, they will click on it 
and this just fucking um, worked amazingly until now. <laughs> and um, yeah, just um, but the, the Spotify playlist is not for um, pushing my own name or pushing Dikunot. So it's it's just um, an open playlist for like every good hardcore track that um, is yeah. released in this year. Yeah. So um, I got a lot of uh, mails from other artists the last month. So we're recognizing this playlist and we're asking for, hey, can you add my track? And I was, and I'm just saying, hey man, um, when you release, when I like your release and I think it's yeah, kind of good enough for this playlist or for this special Deceptor compilation or how you right. want to call it, um, I will add it and, uh, and you gain my support. Or sometimes I receive kind of, spotify demos so like uh, demos not to release to be on dequinox but finished release tracks to be featured on the playlist wow like hey listen to my track maybe it's something for my playlist and I, and I kind of like it and the artist is good i say yeah okay I, I pick it up you deserve support and then um they got included yeah crazy because it's also a couple of playlists i've seen yeah. like you got a playlist with dequinox a playlist with deceptor uh, it's like well building one playlist which is kind of already like successful and has like a, you know a couple of thousand followers it's uh, hard but like yes. uh, multiple it's uh, even harder so uh, mad respect for that yeah thanks it's really funny because in in the it's now yeah it, it's part of the business it i really i really um then also checked okay man this playlist got really pretty much followers i think The playlist now got like um, 20, uh, 25.000 followers. And yeah, of course, it's also now part of my label business to really care about this playlist. And then I was like, okay, if this place is kind of successful, let's build up or try to build up other playlists as well, which can work. Yeah. And what what is like your approach? How like what is the frequency? How often do you update it? Uh, you know, do you keep the number of tracks in there limited, or you keep adding and don't delete old tracks, or like what's what's the approach with that playlist? The approach is just my feeling. Okay, so also so you hear I'm... you hear a new cool track, you add it, so you don't have like a thing that once per month you do. A major yeah, exactly. Update. So when I so when I when I'm. Uh... When I'm working in the studio or I see on Instagram or Facebook a new release from like Neophyte Records or Masters of Hardcore or any other label um, or producers I follow on Instagram, for example, and I see, okay, this sounds like a cool tune and it's still released. Yeah. And um, I always have like all hardcore releases coming out. Um, I have them on my radar. Um, and then I check it out. I open the Spotify app and when I like them, mm -hmm. I add them. And... Um, check out okay where do i want to place the tracks if they are more like kind of softer they go more um to the top if they are more hard like more french core up tempo soundings they go more um yeah. to the lower direction like that you have a small build up in the playlist if you play it um yeah but there's no no um time lapse where i say okay now it's just one week later i'm gonna i'm gonna add new tracks to the playlist I just do it sometimes one week I don't touch it and sometimes I touch it four times a week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty 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 interesting, pretty cool. <laughs> um this whole Spotify playlist is so crazy. 
uh, there are like you know of course not in hardcore but in other genres there are people they make like a big fortune like you know because uh, labels pay them to put tracks on their lists and stuff so there's like so much money being made like with those people who build like those big as fuck playlists like even like the fucking general manager of sony is gonna sit there and suck their dick to put their tracks on that's crazy like those are like really powerful people right now that could be some weird as fuck nerd sitting in front of his laptop in his mother's basement and he's like really got like oh, the whole music industry by the balls it's crazy yes you know what you can you can call those people um being an influencer you yes. can be an influencer on YouTube or a YouTuber or an Instagram influencer. And you can also become with um, this kind of playlist business, yeah. like a Spotify influencer or a music influencer. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely heard that like um, the bigger EDM labels and stuff, they already got people who are only responsible for um, getting the releases on uh, playlists. So that's their whole fucking job. It's yeah. like a one position the only thing you do is like you know you reach out to those people who got the playlist like you know offer them something you know build uh, relationships that's the whole job just dealing yeah. with like some kids who made uh playlists that's, that's crazy yes because it makes money for the label yeah that's the thing yeah yeah of course of course and um it also uh builds up with uh, other tracks as well i had it like with another project where I'm involved in um, <laughs> the a track uh, got featured on one uh, Spotify directly from Spotify. They, they got their own playlist and one track got featured okay. and obviously the place went through the roof, but also through <laughs> all the other tracks as well. Cause you know, maybe one out of thousand is going to the profile actually follows the profile and also listens to other tracks. But uh, you get such a re huge uh, reach with that because you know that's kind of the official Spotify playlist. It's featured everywhere. So if you get on that one, you're good. <laughs> you're yeah, good. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so and I guess yes, you know, if like a label is pushing like one artist um, on one big playlist, that there are a lot of maybe new follower coming and um, they're gonna check out other tracks and it's good for the label because the whole catalog starts making more money not only that one track so i have nothing more to add <laughs> <laughs> awesome um if you do you do you have some production advice for the producers who are listening right now something that you wish you would have learned earlier or somebody would have told you earlier um I guess um, what is really important also um, to me when I receive demos is that people really um, focus on their mix down. I often receive um, demos um, where I think, okay, the vibe is quite nice. And also like the sound design is nice from the kick or the, or the um, lead sound or screech or whatever. But then when it comes to the mix down or to the whole track itself, it's not really, um, yeah, it's not, it sounds not finished and not professional just because of um, the frequencies are not in the right position. There's no really um, picture of mono and stereo um, kick or low end is missing or something's too loud, something's too quiet. So I guess um, many um, upcoming producers really should focus on um, uh, on the mix down. Yeah. 
So mix on first. That's your production advice. Yeah, <laughs> not not first. I, I guess um, first of all, um, the track has to tell a yeah. story, or there has to be a concept um, yeah. the listener can can check. Um, but I guess mix down is, is really really important to um, to give a certain professional character to your track. What do you think when we talk about mix downs? Um, I have oh, uh, kind of you know it took me ten years to learn that because I was always very obsessed about about mixing, yeah. and after ten years I kind of realized it's sometimes it's just better to go with a better sound. And then mixing is kind of not a big deal. Is that also something <laughs> like... Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, so for example, when I started producing, I was also like making the track, um, having frequencies like everywhere and not caring about mix down, then exporting all tracks and do the mix down separately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but also nowadays what I do when I start a new track, um, I do the mix down within the process of production or within the process of sound design. And this is what I also can recommend um, to many people. Like if you are working on your track and you um, have your sound nice and you have it in a good position, then this is your mix down and then your track um, can be ready for, for a good mastering. Because also many people um, don't know really uh, the difference between mastering or mixing or in between the stem mastering and many people think like okay now we give general guybel a shitty track and we say hey come on make a nice master from it and um, but they but they were thinking about mix down yeah. and then you give the master back and they said yeah man but the track still does not sound good and then i can imagine you arguing like yeah mm, but there are problems in your track in production in yeah. the sounds itself and in the mix down yeah. um yeah that's really kind kind of knowledge Yeah, the, the um, from what I see with uh, like all the stuff I'm doing on YouTube and stuff, um, people always start at the end and want to work backwards to the beginning. What I mean is the most requests I get is mastering. So like, uh, can you show how to master? <laughs> and um, also like when people, you know, sometimes I do live those feedback sessions and then I get like this uh, email. It's like, yeah, I'm only concerned about mastering because everything else is perfect. And I hear it and it's like, no, it's uh, already at the source, like the stuff you used at the source. And if you play like a lead, like four octaves too low on top of the kick, that's already like a big no-no. You can't mix that. You know, if you play a bass on top of the kick, you can't mix that. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's that's what I see a lot. Like a lot of uh, upcoming producers really over-obsess about mastering and about mixing. And my advice always like pick the right sound. You know, it's like a very common thing. It's like, yeah, like, you know, maybe, you know, it should make like uh, on my snare, it should make a cut here, maybe a compressor, a transient designer, maybe some saturation. Or you maybe can just swap the fucking snare. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you can use a snare which already works. Like there are millions of samples. Why the fuck, you know? Because I was like that too, you know. That's why me I too. Said, me too. Yeah. I was just like, okay, there's a shitty snare. No, okay, yeah. I have to give this shitty snare yeah. like the deceptor character. Yeah, 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 yeah. But of course, it never gets fed, and at the end, I deleted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was like the story of my life. Like, take like the <laughs> first sound I hear, drop it, and try to make it work. For hours yeah. and hours, like what a waste of life. I got pretty good at mixing yeah. though, but 
so, I know yeah. that struggle. Yeah, yeah. So uh, probably, yeah, like you said, your your production tape like take care of mixing, but um, after you took care of that it sounds already good before you started mixing. Like yes, right? yes. Yeah. So the sound one... design has to be also on point as you can yeah. get, or if it's if it's totally on point. You don't have to mix it just concerning maybe with loudness yeah, levels. Yeah, just maybe clean out a little bit here and there and yeah. you know, just uh, adjust it. Yeah, that's actually the best, the best, uh, I think the best approach anyway. Luckily, yeah. you know, after 10 years, I kind of learned it because um, I would still probably waste my life. But uh, <laughs> that's that's the best approach because uh, when you, you know, make the sound design right, when you make everything right, you don't need much. Like you don't need to put a compressor on every track like <laughs> I used to do. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> these were these days, um, I guess most producers know this stuff tricking around like having in their mind okay now i have to do this and that to make it sound good and yeah. then they forgot to use their ears yeah. and uh just recognizing okay uh it doesn't sound that good but the compressor is on it now yeah. it has to be good yeah yeah, yeah 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 i was like that too when i started i read somewhere you need to use a compressor yeah. So you need was, to, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you need to have a low cut on every every channel and you need to use a compressor. So that's what you have to do. And like, you know, you need to put like all drums on one bus and do some bus compression, but in parallel. So I was doing all <laughs> that shit. And like, you know, the track's been like really a pile of shit because like, you know, yeah, some big mixing engineer says that's what you got to do. And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, especially, especially like, you know, when it comes down to hardcore, like um, very often still like uh, people approach me, it's like, yeah, like bus compression, like put all the drums together and stuff. Well, I learned pretty quick that when you got a kick, which is eating up the whole spectrum, eating up all dynamics, everything, that maybe it's not a good idea to put in like the other shit which you got and do some bus compression on it. So. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> um do you do you have uh also some business advice business advice um yes unfortunately nowadays um quality is not that important to get a hype or um yeah build up a fan base um that's not my my personal opinion or um, how I would like to work. But in general, um, of course, marketing, unfortunately, is so, so fucking important nowadays. Being on Instagram, being on Facebook, um, representing themselves, making yourself a brand, even if your music is kind of shit, works nowadays. So um, I think you have to, to be 100% professional or um, artist which can climb up on the career ladder, um, have to focus on both. You have to, to um, improve your, the quality of your tracks. But if you don't do any social media marketing, I guess you don't uh, have a chance nowadays, for example, to stand on the stage on a big party yeah. or to build up a fan base. And um, I guess you don't have to focus too much on um, other artists or on other artists' sound. And um, you really have to focus on creating yeah, something new or to um, create something different. 
So don't copy the signature sound of other artists. Um, just try to create um, your own stuff that people um, recognize you with. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's very good advice, especially the part um, about uh, the whole marketing thing. Because uh, unfortunately, we all start making music and we only want to make, make music, you know. And, yeah. Uh, That's a tough pill to swallow, actually, for a lot of guys at some point when they realize, okay, really now I've for been a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah, because now I've been making music for five years and nobody gives a shit about it, but I kind of want people to give a shit about it. So now all of a sudden I'm a fucking social media manager and not a producer anymore. Yeah. And yeah, that's, uh, but, but it doesn't work without it. Uh, it's like everything in business, you can have the best product. If you cannot sell it or you don't have anybody who can sell it, it's exactly. a waste of time. Yeah, yeah it's also because um, the world is changing so quick and it just goes faster and faster. And also the music scene changes and people change and the generations change. Um, you also have to um, um, have to get output. Yeah. You have to, to bring out stuff um, are not on the map of too many people, um, they will forget about you. Yeah. Yeah, it, it feels a lot that in the past years, it's really quantity over quality. Yeah. Like, um, you know, uh, there are like uh, certain uh, artists which I used to follow, which I kind of liked, but at some point they started uh, shitting out tracks like crazy. Like, um, I'm not gonna call any names, but I know one guy, he already, we in September, I looked, he had already like something like 15 tracks released. And that's only on Spotify, but he also made like four free tracks. So it's like okay. 19 tracks in nine months. Like, yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Yeah, I guess um, many of the, I call them like Champions League producers, um, they can do it. So, for example, if I talk to Triax nowadays, how quick is he in producing? Uh, he's like that he can build up a good working hit track in just maybe two days or one week. Yeah. But of course, um, yeah, he's nowadays a producer working day by day, just making music and... Uh, doesn't have to do anything else yeah but also i believe on his various projects i hear you know similarities from one track on one project a of couple course. of years ago that cert certain things come back on another project like 40 bpm faster so um He's kind of, um, let's say, covering himself. <laughs> like, yeah, this is just also about gaining output. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of remixing himself, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but course. but in another in another way, it's uh, it cannot be done. No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. You you got really yeah. It's Either not possible it... to produce a hit month by month or week by week. Or um, it's normal that your tracks are some tracks some tracks are not that good some tracks um, get a lot of attention some yeah. tracks doesn't it's kind of normal that not every track you release even if you are a big producer um, 
yeah has the same the same status in the music business but i think that's also what changed a lot um from like even five years ago that every tracks which every track which gets produced also gets released you know yeah uh, i remember when i was working with noise suppressor uh we've done way more tracks than got released you know so track is done mixed mastered he's playing it out on one party uh didn't went well okay let's fix it he played it on the next didn't went well okay fuck that so didn't get released and um i i guess now it's like everything that gets done that gets exported from <laughs> from your cubase or ableton goes directly up to spotify or wherever you know that's true but this is also my kind of um nowadays opinion for example if i think on myself or if i think on um on other producers that it's like okay if you have finish a project um yeah it's not it's not possible to test it always in front of a crowd um but i think nowadays because everything is so connected you can always um make a new pro project um that good that it can be released yeah so also if i think of me um if i produce or start a new project and i have a new track ready i want to release it Yeah. And I don't want to think of myself, oh my God, now I wasted like one week of work for for like nothing, for throw it in the trash bin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm also more on that side, tweaking the stuff as good as it, as it could get and then release it and then uh, make a check on it and focus on the next project. Are you when, because when it's you... also this kind of gaining output? Because yes. okay, now you have a you have a product, release it, then you are on the radar of the people, of your own fans, of of other producers. Maybe it's not the very best track, but there's some example. Yeah, yeah. When you when you got a track like that where you kind of know it's it's good, but it's not a banger, you know, it's too good to delete it but it's not like really the career defining track yeah uh, do you put it out as a single or would you make an ep where you got that banger and you put that one as a second track on it you just said what i wanted to say if i have like a track on that uh like in this um in this state i would think okay this is not the very best track of mine so but it's enough for an ep Where the yeah. title track is more more important, or right. it's much more strong than just like um, earlier on the, on the earlier days, we would say like it's the B side on the vinyl. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. but sometimes also the B sides then could hit in really hard. I know from many producers uh, which uh, make tracks and they think like, okay, I guess this is not the very best track I've I've ever produced, and then it be became a hit. Rhythm is a dancer. That was a B-side originally. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a B-side originally. So yeah, best example. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I think I think it's like the or one of the most uh, successful dance songs ever. And <laughs> it was a B-side originally. Yeah, so this is why my philosophy is never throw a finished track into the trash bin. Yeah. Maybe there are some people that will like it anyway, so yeah. why don't release it? Yeah, I also think like, you know, for that EPs are also great. Um, you know, you got like your certain sound, right? You have a sound, you have like a style, which, you know, when I see Deceptor makes a release, that's what I expect. 
But if you, for instance, would say like, oh, but I want to, I feel like to make something like 220 BPM for closing my sets and you will make a track like that, you wouldn't release it as a single, you know, you would no. also put it on an EP. It's a cool track. It's something different. You experiment, you kind exactly. of... Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So good. We are on the same page with that. Yes. <laughs> All right, man, let's uh, slowly wrap it up. Uh, do you have something to say, something to plug, anything? Um, say hi to your mom, whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> the time. <laughs> uh, I guess my mom won't watch this interview because her English is not that good. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I thought maybe because she doesn't give a shit about hard hardcore production, but hey. <laughs> well, my, parents, my parents really stand on my side. They're really happy and proud of their son. Uh, starting in his own room as just a terrorizing DJ and I was just thinking about what's that kind of weird noise yeah yeah now uh, the son is gaining money with it and have a label which is um, uh, has kind of potential so yeah they really know what I'm doing and are really into it even my father um, <laughs> does all my financial stuff or does the financial stuff of Dequinox Oh, nice. So yes. he does like the bookkeeping and all that. Yeah, exactly. Nice, yeah, nice, yeah nice. Not, not the bookings, but yeah, all oh, no, the, the, book, the statements book, coming in. Like, you know, the... Uh, yeah, true. The, the collecting the receipts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Um, so yeah, just, just can say to the people out there, um, keep it up, stay hardcore. Um, I would like, of course, if you follow Dequinox, if you follow Deceptor in the future, because there's uh, much stuff coming in. And um, I hope that we can all see us again in 2021 on the dance floor. Perfect words. Thank you very much for your time. It was a blast. Thank you for invitation, my friends. All right, boys and girls, this is it for this episode. Next week, we are back with the 21st episode. And up until then, let me tell you, this podcast is available on YouTube as a video version, but also on all your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast and all that other stuff. So wherever you listen to, you're definitely gonna find it and make sure you subscribe. Make sure if you got a chance, leave a review. If you watch on YouTube, leave a thumbs up and a comment. Let's make this thing a little bit bigger so we get the chance to interview a lot of more interesting people and learn a lot more from their mistakes, from their careers and overall have some valuable and interesting information up until then thank you very much for watching i see you back next week bye bye